We continue in Jude, and if you have a few Bibles, it is page number. Oh, there's no page number in this. The book before Revelations. So Jude, um, from verse 16 um, onwards. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others with their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said of you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Father, may we have ears to hear, a heart which is open. Have your way. May we know where you're leading us by your spirit as we open up this book for your glory. Amen. Amen. We'll put the first one on, Rona, just with the, or Daniel, the slide at the back. Thank you. So we are going through the book of Jude. And uh, for those who are visiting, I came in and I noticed one or two people and who normally aren't here and I just want to not apologise, but this is a heavy sermon series we're going through. So, but it's scripture. And I've said to the church family many times, I'd much rather be preaching on the acts of the apostles than the atrocities of the apostates. But it is scripture. So we have to look at these things. And it's there because it's for our season as well. It's for our days. It's not just for a, a bygone days. This isn't hellfire and brimstone sort of stuff here. But it's God's spirit revealing the Father's heart to his people for today. And... Thanks, Ian, for, for reading the scriptures. And there are some tricky things that we need to explore. In churches, we tend to, there's a lot of grace kicking about. Yeah, there are some churches you see um, grace is in short supply. But I would say this church family, grace, there's a lot of grace. And sometimes we don't want to call things out, but sometimes it's important to. And so this story is a, a story from Scotland. It's not one I call out because uh, I like to, but it's a perfect example of just how there can be a, a misbalance between truth and grace. We are all gracious at the expense of truth. We sell out on the gospel, which Apostle Paul called no gospel at all. And then, of course, there are some places where it's all truth, 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 and hard and there is little grace in there, and that can burn a lot of people also. But in 2017, during Epiphany, which is the time in the traditional time in the church calendar, where we um, recall how Jesus ministered to the Gentiles, and he was baptized, and also that divine declaration that came from heaven, you're my son, and I am well pleased with you. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Well, at that time, um, in a passage from the Quran was read 
during a service at St Mary's Episcopal Cathedral in Glasgow, just on Great Western Road. The passage that was read or sang was read by an Islamic woman, a Muslim lady, an academic, I believe she was. And this, like I says, was a cathedral. So it's a big, big thing. And the passage itself um, denied that Jesus was the Son of God. And the passage it's also had Mary, um, Mary lamenting and ashamed at the birth of Christ. And the passage also spoke, uh, uh, says that Jesus spoke to Mary while he was in the crib. Now, this made the press, surprisingly, <laughs> but it made the press. And the primus of the Episcopal Church said this. He says he was deeply distressed at the widespread offence that this had caused. But he failed to go on and apologise for the incident. We're in his cathedral, the high church of his branch of the Anglican Communion. A passage was read denying that Jesus was the Son of God. Where Mary lamented the fact that he was born and some crazy stuff about Jesus speaking to her from the crib. The provost of, of St. Mary's claimed that the service was part of efforts to strengthen ties between Christians and Muslims in the area. And I know the area very well. And there is good work going on to strengthen ties between Christians and Muslims. Important work of understanding and education, of listening to one another. But the provost went on to say, such readings have happened a number of times in the past in this and in other churches. And a number of occasions in Christian worship, they have denied that Jesus is the Son of God, that his mother lamented his very birth, and that in some crazy way, Jesus spoke to her from the crib. And he went on to say, that this has led to deepening friendships locally and to a greater awareness of things we hold in common and yes, and things that we need to dialogue about in the future. There are times when we can be so gracious that the truth we sell out on. And I would say that this is one of those occasions where truth was sold out in a church in Scotland. Where Jesus was denied as being the Son of God that Mary lamented his very birth and that Jesus spoke to her in the crib. Dialogue between other faiths is so important because education is so important. But this would not have happened in a mosque because a, and a man would know that he does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he would not have prayers to Jesus in his mosque. Why would he? He does not believe that. Why would a provost and why would a primus who publicly declared that Jesus is the son of God allows such things to happen in worship? There needs to be a balance between truth and between grace. The Reverend Dr. Gavin Ashenden, who at the time was the Queen's chaplain, I believe was right when he referred 
to the readings, this song that was sang as blasphemy and a rather serious failure. Are there not other better ways to build relationships than to deny the very core of our faith that Jesus is Lord and there is no other? False teaching and heresy are difficult, are painful, but I think they're also helpful. They can be a nuisance, but they are also necessary for us. In the New Testament, false teaching went on to develop the doctrines of Christology, which is the doctrine of uh, Christ. They went on to develop the doctrine of pneumatology, our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And soteriology, our understanding of salvation. And eschatology, our understanding of how it's all going to end. And all of these deep beliefs that we hold, and sometimes we we struggle with and we can't fully understand, they have all been fashioned at times when heresy and false teaching was in the church. And they had to figure out, this is the truth that was once handed down from the saints for all time. And it was final. And even in the New Testament times, over a couple of centuries at the beginning at least, when there was so much heresy in the church and false teaching and people being led away, it was at those times that the church really figured out the personhood of Christ, fully God and fully man. And it was at those times, in the midst of real trouble and difficulty, came to form the canon of scripture of which we are now privileged to have in our hands. So today, there are many instances of false teaching, of heresies, that are attacking the church and are attacking uh, Christians, that are stealing the faith away from young Christians. And sometimes those attacks come from inside and sometimes they come from out with. So what do we do? How are we to approach this time without, without coming across as being a fire and brimstone sort of Christian? Look, uh, Jude 16 um, through to 23, which we're going to look at, says that we need godly wisdom. We need godly wisdom for a healthy discipleship because we are not just Christians, those of us who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. We are disciples if we obey everything that he commands. How do we know what he commands in here? How will we be known as as his disciples if we try and figure out by his grace be obedient to everything that he has commanded? That kind of is where Jude has went the whole small but very powerful and difficult book and we're going to look at a few things this morning we're going to look at three headings and they've just fallen nicely for a change under um, remember remain and rescue we're going to look at those three topics some of it will go quickly because we've covered this in the weeks in the past so oh Oh, I sent the wrong one. (laughs) I sent last week's. That's fine. (laughs) Can you double check that I sent last week's? (laughs) 
pay. I'm going to go even quicker today. So, Jude 16 through to 19. Let me read that again. And it'll be specifically from 17 to 19. These men who have come into the church, who are leaders, who are influencers, who are uh, at the love feast, but the Apostle Jude, uh, not Apostle, but Jude says, but they are like clouds without rain. They are trees, uh, autumn trees without fruit, up, uprooted, twice dead. So these are people who are influencing the church, but they've got nothing of real worth. And he calls them, these men are grumblers, fault finders. They follow, follow their own evil desires. They're selfish. They boast about themselves. They're, they're full of themselves and they flatter others for their own advantage verse 17 but dear friends remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold they said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires these are the men who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and who do not have the spirit Get it on there. Thank you very much. First slide runner, Daniel. Hey, there we go. That's where we're going. So this warning of there being false teaching in the church is in every single book of the New Testament apart from Philemon. And I've put up there, for those who like to take references and who like to go away and look at it, I just put up a few of Jesus, of Paul, of John, and of Peter all. Peter and Paul, all apostles. And they are warning of what happens or what is happening 1900, 2000 years ago. This was happening in the church back then. That's why there's warnings in every single book apart from Philemon in the New Testament. So I'm just going to simply put up there and say, remember, you've been warned. Don't be surprised if you suddenly find that this teaching, hopefully not this morning, but hopefully this teaching that just deep down in your spirit, you're like, I do not believe that is the truth. And I'm going to go away and explore that. Because it's been in the church forever. And there is a difficult balance to be had between truth and grace. But the New Testament is harsh in what it says. Because we've got children and we've got children who are influenced, and I've spoke about this a lot over the weeks, and they are looking to us to engage with them, because I'll tell you what, church, if you're not talking to your children and your grandchildren about matters of faith, if you're just allowing it for the school to make it happen or for Sunday school to make it happen, I guarantee, especially if they're getting to 10, 11, 12 and upwards, they will be getting influenced through TikTok, YouTube, wherever. Sure, look, I could shout at a whole bunch of other influencers who are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Masquerading as disciples of Jesus who are masquerading of people of truth. But you will watch some of this stuff and you'll be appalled. Our children are being influenced by that. Not just our children, but our children. So the warning, you have been warned, what are you going to do about it? That is basically what Jude is saying here. And I think what the New Testament says also. So, remember what they're like. Again, we went through this. But you'll see here from verses 17 from 19 that Jude describes them. What are they like? They're mockers or scoffers. 
and the message, which is um, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible. He says this, in the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They treat them like a joke. Don't know if this is in my notes, but I remember a wedding I did not that long ago, and at the rehearsal, and it was a, quite an affluent wedding, and there was a rehearsal, and there was some ladies there who reminded me of an episode of Absolutely Fabulous, if you know what I'm talking about when I say that. And, I, and they were introduced to me as the minister, and this one girl, with a glass of Chardonnay or whatever it was in her hand, she was, I'm a Christian, but I'm a modern Christian. And in other words, she's progressive. It all fits into what um, she thinks. She would probably, I don't know her, but I'm just guessing. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. But as I think of her, I think that she might be one of those people who don't take these things very seriously anymore. About identity anymore about love, about marriage between a, a man and a woman anymore. These are old things. Get, get, with the, get with the script, as David Cameron said a number of years ago. Maybe, she, maybe she's like that. They treat it like a joke. Can't be serious. You actually still think that way. And it's difficult to explain. I'm trying to think the way of Jesus. I'm trying to be obedient to how Jesus commanded me to live. And I don't think she would get that. And it's quite tricky. 2 Peter 3, 4 says, they laugh at the, the reality of the return of Christ. You don't actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead, don't you? Did, was his body not just stolen, etc., etc., etc.? These people are mockers. They're in Jude's church. They are in the church at large. They speak evil of what they do not know. That's what Jude says in verse 4. They speak evil of what they do not know, mockers. They're sensual. They follow their own ungodly desires they follow mere natural instincts. In verse 16, they walk according to their own lusts. That's the modern Christian. The modern Christian, and, and listen, I, I'm not literally on my knees, but I, I, I ask for forgiveness all the time, obviously. I know what I'm like. I fall short left, right, and center. But there is a difference from walking in the grace of God than treating that grace cheaply. I've called my disciple, guys I'm involved in, we call ourselves the discipleship boys, and I've called them time and time again. We are called to lead the church. Therefore, dedicate your ways to Jesus' way. Trust one another, be vulnerable with one another. But go on with it, read your Bible, pray, confess, stop cursing, What's your drinking? They're all great guys. I'm just coming up with a whole bunch of thoughts in my mind. But it's a call to discipleship. We, that is what we are called to do. And yet here, Jude calls them sensual. Whatever pleases them, whatever feels good, God's okay with that. He'll forgive us. That's God's job. Jude six times calls out calls them out by calling them ungodly lusts they're dividers people who divide you and if anything i know in 20 odd years of being a church leader is that the devil's main weapon is divide and conquer cause division among the church and it's the most brutal difficult thing ever jude says these people follow their master and they cause divisions they're like 
Diotrephes in 3 John, who promote and foster strife. John called him out. Don't trust him. He's a person among you who promotes trouble and strife. Call it out. He goes around about talking about you. Doesn't like some of the decisions you've made. And he's lobbying. And all he is doing is causing trouble and, and, and strife. And he calls him out. Not promoting unity. Disrespecting spiritual leaders. 